0: All right, welcome back, Mike Smith. As we continue our coverage and analysis of the COVID nineteen pandemic, my guest is Dr. Michael Curry. He's an assistant professor at the University of British Columbia, specializing in emergency medicine. And I'll tell you what: the frontline healthcare workers here in this fight are the heroes in this struggle. And I'm pleased he could take the time today. Michael, thanks for coming on.
1: Oh, thanks, Mike. I appreciate being here.
0: Yeah, you bet. Uh, you still doing um, you still doing some work down at the emergency room there at Delta Hospital?
1: Oh, that's uh, that's my full-time gig, working, yeah. working there about uh, every other day.
0: What's it like there these days?
1: So, like most emergency departments in British Columbia, it's actually slowed down a fair bit. People are getting the message that uh, the hospitals are potentially very busy and also potentially infectious. So, right. our patient volumes have gone down, but we are seeing, I'm seeing about one to four patients with suspected COVID. Usually, one or two of them are fairly sick. The others less sick every shift. So we're definitely beginning to see the COVID patients starting to appear in our emergency department.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. What's, what's that like when a, a patient comes in presenting symptom? What kind of symptoms are you commonly seeing there?
1: So there's two parts to your question. So the ones that we recognize are respiratory infections. And so uh, respiratory tract infections, we've all had them. Common colds, influenza, cough, possibly a runny nose, sore throat, fever, and particularly with COVID in the more serious cases, shortness of breath. But the other thing that we're seeing is we're also seeing patients presenting atypically, which is to say not with those symptoms. And we've learned from our colleagues in uh, in Italy and in the United States that uh, a lot of COVID patients are coming in with, uh, uh, with symptoms that are weird. We had one gentleman uh, come in that uh, he... Um, he suffered from dementia and his presentation was he was wandering more often and without going through the whole story at the end of the day the reason he was more confused than normal was because of a COVID-19 infection so COVID can present in a whole variety of ways the classic respiratory infections are what we appreciate but we know there's people out there with minimal or strange symptoms.
0: Wow. Okay. Speaking of Dr. Michael Curry from the emergency department, Delta Hospital and UBC. Thank you for your, your service here. Like, I, like I said, the people on the front lines here are the heroes here. Here's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to read the phone lines out right now so we can start getting some calls right away. And if you have a question about COVID-19, here's your opportunity to ask it now. So let's open the phone lines right now. 604-280-9898 is the number to call. 604 604- 280-9898 98, 98, star 9898 98, toll free on your cell Dr. Michael Curry is my guest what do you think about the the, the fight against this virus so far as it's the government's response the healthcare response the, the social distancing the isolation are, are we doing everything right or do you or do you have any concerns
1: well i think my my biggest concern is um, our stockpile of supplies and um, definitely right now, we're still able to maintain protective uh, personal equipment for every patient encounter. However, um, at the current rate that we're using equipment, we're not sure how long those supplies are going to last. And there is some uncertainty about how sustainable it is. So, aside from that, I think we are doing everything we can. The key thing to remember is nobody knew about this virus. We think this virus only came into existence in early December. And so the situation, as we're all aware, it's changed a lot. And things that we were saying back in January no longer, no longer uh, apply. But now that we're at the end of March and we have possible, we have community transmission in British Columbia. So it's a changing situation. And it's a virus we're learning more and more about every day.
0: Okay, when you mentioned uh, some concerns about the stockpile of supplies, which, which supplies in particular are you most worried about?
1: So a whole bunch of them. So our biggest supply in the big scheme of things is beds and ventilators. Um, we, do have, we do have enough right now. Whether that's going to continue, that's another question, because if we look at some of the numbers coming from other countries, these could be in extreme demand. The other one is personal protective equipment. Mm-hmm. These are the gowns, goggles, glasses, masks that we use to protect healthcare workers when we're caring for people with COVID-19. And um, in regular situations, we're pretty profligate in how quickly we use this equipment. Just one patient in isolation, every person going into or out of that room will, will don and then doff this equipment later on. We can go through 20 sets of equipment on one patient in one day. Um, that's not sustainable when we're looking at having thousands, potentially tens of thousands of COVID patients presenting. So we have been advised that our stockpile, we have a stockpile, but we're using it at a very rapid rate. And so right now, there's no shortages as of yet, but right. uh, definitely there are some concerns that our rate of use is not sustainable.
0: Okay, speaking of Dr. Michael Curry from Delta Hospital and, and, and UBC, what do you think are the, the main What are the main questions that you get or the most common questions that you get about this virus from people?
1: Well, the biggest one is, can I get tested? And the answer for most people in British Columbia is no. Our uh, availability of testing is reasonably limited. And, you know, I think pretty much everybody in the province would love to get tested. But if if you don't have any sort of symptoms, we think it's probably not that useful to test. People, and the only people being tested are people who are healthcare workers who are prevented from working because of possible symptoms, people in long-term care facilities, people being admitted to hospital, or people as part of a cluster or no-one outbreak. So right. most people with respiratory symptoms cannot get tested for COVID-19. And that's, so that's probably the number one question I'm getting asked at work.
0: Okay, 604-280-9898 is the number to call Dr. Curry, star 9898, toll-free on your cell. Dorothy on the open line, hi.
2: Hi, Mike. Congratulations on your new show. I love hearing you on the radio. Thank you. Number, um, to the doctor, antibodies. Do we know if our bodies make antibodies if we've had COVID-19?
1: We're not 100% certain on that yet, but we're pretty sure most people will. And uh, getting an antibody test, which is something that's under development right now, could be very helpful because it can tell us if people A, have immunity to COVID-19 and B, if they have been exposed to it. The current test only tells us if your body's actively making the virus. It doesn't tell us that you may have been exposed to it, say, three weeks ago.
2: Okay, Okay, I have another quick question, if I may. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. SARS-Vaccine. If COVID-19 is just a variant of SARS, why are we not using the SARS vaccine?
1: Because we don't have a SARS vaccine.
0: <laughs> okay, there you go. This is good. Thank you, Dorothy, for the call. If you get COVID-19, can you get it again, or do you develop immunity to it if you've been exposed to it already?
1: Well, I'm really hoping <laughs> the latter situation, but yeah. like most viruses, one exposure, you get immunity to it. <clears throat> that being said, there's been some case reports from China where people have tested positive after they've tested negative, but we're not, we're not sure how to interpret that data. The test for picking up COVID-19, we're looking for chunks of DNA, and it's a very sensitive test, and we're thinking we might just be finding some chunks of dead virus in these people, but our hope is, and I think most of us are pretty confident, you get it once, you should be immune to it unless it mutates.
0: Let's go to Sherry on the open line. Hi, Sherry.
2: Oh, hi, Mike. Hi, Dr. Hi. Curry. Yeah, my question is, this church in Washington, I don't know if you've heard this really scary headline this morning in the news about a group of people in a church in Washington that say they were practicing social distancing, they were using hand sanitizer and everything else, and one of
1: them, I guess, has died, and there's been lots of sick people from the this group. And so they're alleging that now it's becoming airborne. I've never really got the... <laughs>
2: What's the difference between
1: pure airborne versus airborne on
2: respiratory droplets?
1: Dr. Curry. That's a great question. So um, most diseases are droplet-type spread. And what happens with droplet spread is you cough them out, you sneeze them out, and when they come out, they're attached to drops of mucus, and basically it's heavier than air. So if somebody sneezes or coughs in your face, and you're taking a deep breath, you can breathe it right in. Unfortunately, as a doctor, I've I've experienced that with patients coughing, and all of a sudden you're breathing, they cough, and you feel some stuff in the back of your throat. Try not to think about it too much, but invariably I end up sick three days later. That's a droplet-type infection. Most of those infections, you get the bugs on your hands, and then you inoculate yourself. So there is a minor airborne element to it, but it's heavier than air, the droplets settle. What an airborne infection is is there's a handful of diseases that are airborne, tuberculosis would be one of them, measles would be another one, where it actually, the virus floats in the air, it's lighter than air, and that's a lot trickier to control, and that is you just walk through a hallway, somebody was coughing in the hallway 45 minutes ago, it's floating in the air, you breathe in, you get infected. That's a more serious, more transmissible route of infection. And there's right now the thought is, is that this is primarily spread by droplets. It's a heavier than air particle that settles to the ground. That being said, there is some evidence to suggest that influenza, and this is relatively new research, that influenza may be airborne for brief periods. And we know in laboratory conditions, the COVID virus. It With a machine that circulates, and it can live in the air for several hours. But most of the time, it is a heavier-than-air virus. We do think it will settle to the ground relatively quickly.
0: Let's go back to your phone calls. Hey, Kirk.
2: Yes. Hi. Right, go ahead. Thank you for taking my call. I watch your show every day. It's great. Now, I have rheumatoid arthritis off the scale, and I was taking methotroxate and hydrochlorine, and I stopped that, and I... Exercise every day in the gyms and I'm taking kratom now I saw the woman that I got this cold from I've been sick for a month I called eight one one my doctor's office wouldn't have me in here. I've suffered through it, and I've survived it but the kratom it helped fight the pain it gave me energy it, it made me fight for air and it has the the, the the it has that rheumatoid arthritis drug in this main da kratom. I don't know what you know about it. Okay,
0: doctor.
1: Dr. Curry. Uh, I can't say I'm familiar with it. Is it Kratom with a K? That's a herbal medicine.
2: K-T-O-M. Uh, K-R-A-T-O-M? Meng, M-A-E-N-G, da, green Kratom. And it deals with pain. It deals with rheumatoid arthritis. Dr. Curry,
0: have you heard of this thing?
1: No, I can't say that I have. I'd have to look it up. It's interesting, though, that you were on the methotrexate, and I believe the hydroxychloroquine or the Plaquenil, uh, that's a a medicine that's had a lot of discussion, largely due to President Trump in the United States, touting it as a cure for COVID-19. There's some preliminary research, very preliminary research from France that suggests it may be helpful with COVID-19, Although our normal thought would be, is it something that tunes down the immune system? But no, that product you're referring to, I'd have to look it up. I'm not familiar okay. with it off the Con- top of my
2: head. Connie on the open line. Hi. Hi. Good morning, fellas. Hi. Congratulations, Mike. You always make topics so interesting. Dr. Curry, my question is, um, they say a 10% bleach solution um, is good for, for sanitizing things you bring in from the grocery store and so on. Is that nine ounces of water to one ounce of bleach?
1: I actually thought it was actually 1%, so I thought it was 99 parts to 1. Bleach can get pretty powerful. So if you you do need to sanitize things, soap and water actually does a pretty good job by itself. The other thing that people have been doing is exposure to low-level heat, so about 75 degrees Celsius, that's about 180 degrees Fahrenheit, in the oven for about half an hour has also been proffered for sanitizing things but soap does actually a really good job of killing off this virus but i believe it is the 99 to 1 uh dilution of bleach has also been suggested but personally i think soap and water is a great alternative
0: 604-280-9898 is the number star 9898 toll free on your cell susan hi oh
2: hi morning my elderly mother lives with me so in terms of safety What's the difference between me going to get groceries versus someone else, either a friend or online shopping plus delivery, doing that work for me?
1: Dr. Curry. So the difference there is the amount of exposure you're going to get. So there is a small risk that surfaces could be contaminated. So the person delivering the groceries could have COVID and could cough on their hands and touch your bag. You know, that's a potential That's a potential risk, but it's a relatively low risk. Whereas when you're going out grocery shopping on your own, you're being exposed to common surfaces, and it's amazing how many times a person touches their face over the course of the day. And of course, you're potentially exposed to the respiratory secretions of somebody, you know, coughing or sneezing right next to you. So delivery is not risk-free, and very few things are risk-free in life not risk-free but it's less of a risk than having to go outside and expose yourself and the thought is if you're living with an elderly person is that if uh, the person going out is exposed you can do distancing within a household and there's been studies there's been studies where families have had a member with with uh 19 and they have successfully isolated within the home and nobody else at home got sick our prime minister is an example of that
0: Susan, thank you for the call. Squeezing another one here. Arturo, hi. Hi. Running out, running out of time, though. You got to go quick. Arturo. Yes, hello. Yeah, go ahead.
2: So my question is, uh, is there a point for delivery or career drivers to use uh, gloves and masks since the plastic uh, can contain the virus for longer than the skin? And um, also, is there a point in using the mask since the virus can be spread through the air? Okay, we just got a minute left, Dr. Curry.
0: Using masks and gloves, good idea? Uh,
1: gloves, I don't think offer a huge amount of benefit over just frequent hand washing. Uh, You know, I see people wearing gloves and then I see people rubbing their nose with their gloves. You may as well be using your hand. As for a mask, in general public situation, it's controversial. There doesn't seem to be a lot of evidence that in the general public wearing a mask accomplishes much. You end up just touching your face more and adjusting the mask, which is the thing we're trying to prevent with the mask in the first place.
0: Dr. Curry, thank you for coming on and thank you for your service on the front lines of our healthcare system and on all our very brave healthcare workers who are listening today. I thank them as well. But thank you, Dr. Curry, for being on the show today.
1: Thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate it.
2: For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does.